This is the Henry's Child Podcast. Am I crazy or am I just raving? Welcome, ladies and jelly spoons, to episode 79 of the Am I Crazy or Am I Just Raving podcast. Today, I get the privilege of interviewing my friend, Presley Perez. Presley is a genius behind the PSLZY and Arpenter projects. Presley is not only a musician that can definitely hold his own when it comes to playing and writing a song, but he also has set up venues in Portland and currently co-owns and runs Black Market Charity Tapes, also in Portland. And uh, in this interview, we talk a little bit about his past and some of his influences. We play a song from Arpenter, and we talk about his new project, TV People. Uh, More importantly, Presley actually goes ahead and interviews me on a couple questions, which I left in because if he had those questions, I'm sure somebody else out there in the universe does as well. So please enjoy my conversation with Presley Prez. So, Presley, thanks for coming in. And it is Presley, right? Yeah. Did yeah, you say it correctly? No, okay, good. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Nice. Yep. Thanks for coming in. And this is my inaugural Am I Crazy or Am I Just Raving podcast comeback. Woohoo! This is yeah. the Empire Strikes Back of podcasting for me because Ooh, the lots pandemic of happened. On me. I hope I don't. Uh, oh, hope no, I don't you're good. <laughs> you're good, brother. You're good. Uh, mm. So, yeah. So, Presley and I have. Uh, we have kind of a sordid history. Maybe we'll get into uh, into some of that later. But uh, I was exposed to his record, uh, PSLZY, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I loved it. I heard I it on it, yeah. heard it on Spotify, and it was just and played it for Rich in the car, and we were just kind of looking at each other, going like, "This is a breath of fresh air." And this is this dude's 2017 release. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because I think 2017 was like last month, but it was yeah, really, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> really a few years ago. <laughs> well, the uh, the funny part, first of all, thank you for the beautiful compliment. I actually cut that on a weird gaming laptop that I got off Amazon. You know, a lot of these uh, higher end gaming PCs. Uh, have some pretty sufficient stuff for audio engineering as well. So uh, that was all done on that. And it was during a time where me and my wife, Kelly, were in Croatia. Yeah, so that was the uh, kind of a a weird thing. The the album of the, or the title of the album being Anywhere is kind of, I missed a lot of my friends. We were on the road uh, post uh, Trump's election for quite some time, just kind of bouncing around, as I think uh, some other people were like, oh, hmm, interesting, all right. Let's <laughs> do this now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So super proud of that record. I um, There's still, like, you know, it always going to be weak spots for it, on or for me on it, you know? But, um, yeah, really, really stoked on how that turned out. Cool, yeah. cool. So you recorded that whole record on a gaming laptop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a real old school version of. I don't know if you remember the uh, the old M boxes, but oh, uh, I remember them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back when uh, before it was Avid, what was that company? Yeah, I think it was just called uh, Digidesign. Digidesign. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They had those big, ugly gray rack mount ones too. But yeah, that was all pretty much done off of an M box. I used some Korg plugins for the synth stuff, and uh, mostly FL Studio for all the tracking and and whatnot. So. Um, it was a pretty limited setup, but uh, I think that's kind of some of its charm. Yeah, some 
some of the inspirations being like uh, uh, this band called Electric President. I'm super fond of. Okay. I basically like when geeks make music and like <laughs> nerd out about uh, yeah. doing doing more of the engineering side of things. Um, but yeah, no, I'm super proud of how that turned out. Yeah, and it was kind of a big love letter to all the all my friends and just kind of isolation in general, you know. Were you the only musician on that record? Yeah, yeah, that was all all my all my programming and instrumentation. Yeah, wow. Uh, the live instruments were done when I got back, just direct in, uh, being bass and guitar. Yeah, and then all the vocals were done just off of a fifty-eight, you know, plugged into the into the M box. So yeah. So you were in Croatia mm-hmm. for most of the for this whole record, or like? Yeah, we were. We spent three months in. Croatia, I advise anybody that hasn't been that's looking for a very affordable vacation, check out Split Croatia. It's an insanely inspiring place on the map. But yeah, uh, basically, you know, we were kind of tight on money. And so a lot of it was kind of just waiting for Kelly to fall asleep. And I'd stay up, you know, four or five, six hours and just kind of kind of grind on laying some of those concepts down. I'd, I'd been taking some of those song ideas had been kind of traveling with me for a while and it was kind of nice to have the allocated time to, you know, I wasn't working at the time or anything and just, just basically lay it down, you know? Yeah. That's the beauty of an artist in isolation. Oh, being able to, to have that level of self-expression to where it just kind of like comes out, even if your wife is sleeping in the other room and you're just <laughs> kind of like, wow. Cause that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's all you. Did you do the artwork as well? Uh, yeah. Actually, that uh, the uh, cover is a really cool story. So in Versailles, for those beautiful statues that you see, well, during that time of the year, they actually have to cover them all up by this, like, with uh, this weather-insulated material. And I thought that was just the coolest fucking looking thing, man. Like, like seeing... Oh, so it didn't, like, deteriorate the marble or whatever they used exactly. for it? Exactly. Oh, okay. And I, I just thought that was, you know, pretty dramatic and awesome. Just trying to imagine what's behind this, like this veil of you know weatherproof oh, cool. material. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that was just just a phone picture that it kind of tweaked on uh, Lightroom and all that, you know. So, yeah, I was pretty hyped on that. Ladies and gentlemen, we do have a geek in the house. I love it. <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be along pretty well. Yeah. So, okay, so 2017, uh, P. S-L-Z-Y mm-hmm. uh, comes out. It's released, obviously, digitally on Spotify, Apple Music, I'm mm-hmm. sure, um, or I guess iTunes at the time. When do you come back to the States? We were back the Christmas of 2016. I get my dates completely messed up. But yeah, because I remember as soon as we got back to Florida, I did like all the instrumentation that I wanted to do. I wasn't able to bring a guitar or anything with me. So, oh, right. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, that would have been about that time. And then uh, we land in Florida with my wife's parents. We spend, I think, uh, two-ish or so weeks. And then uh, our, made our way to Kansas City. I had, a, uh, I had uh, about a year and a half there where I worked in uh, just a couple of kitchens out there. And then uh, decided to come back to Portland after that and absolutely... Have not looked back since. So wow. Okay. Well, yeah. let's uh, roll it back even further than that. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I actually grew up in uh, just outside the outside of L.A., kind of um, like La Puente area. If you're familiar, or West Covina. Not to be a total stalker, but I did look up the area code of your phone number. When yeah, nine zero nine. Yeah, Ontario. 
It's Ontario. Isn't I even asked Rich too, and he's like, "Well, they have a really big airport that people fly into." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, Ontario, California, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so Southern California. So you grew up in Southern California, yeah. And when you were growing up, was there a particular like m- music that you were into, or what about musical instruments you played? Oh, okay, yeah. So I actually started playing. I p- started playing guitar when I was about twelve. Got really serious about it when I was sixteen, and that sort of actually lined up. Uh, around the same time when I started taking recording and engineering pretty seriously. I had a old boss BR, I think it was the 10 or something where it was, you know, eight faders and a CD uh, drive on it. And um, there was a flourishing hardcore scene, especially like in, you know, just in that area, specifically West Covina. And, and um, so I started recording just my friends' bands, uh, you know, their little punk projects and everything in uh, basements and the various uh, garages Where and it's whatnot. It's all created, baby, yeah. yep. And uh, I grew super, super fond of just the whole engineering process in general. I opened up a small little studio when I had enough money around 19, and uh, it was just basic, it was basically in the back of my grandma's old house, and uh, it was a it was sort of a little room. And that's... Uh, how I got to Portland was I had recorded this fantastic band called The Wild Reeds. I did their first two records, and they were kind enough to invite me on tour with them to run sound for them. Yeah, if you haven't checked them out before, they're phenomenal. They had like uh, some some pretty mild like commercial success, and they they toured a lot with a lot of really cool artists. But um, Wild Reeds, The Wild Reeds, The yeah. Wild Reeds. Okay, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. I don't know if they're necessarily active anymore, but uh, there's uh, a couple of projects that sort of fell off from there or sp- uh, sprung off from there. Sharon uh, Silva, fantastic LA artist, um, one of the singers, the Wild Reeds, and then uh, Kinsey D'Aquila. She has a project called Dr. Kinsey, which is really cool, kind of lo-fi. Um, femme vocal like really cool shit but basically we got up to portland and uh we had had a just it was just a little west coast tour for some reason or another our two seattle dates got canceled and uh so we ended up staying in portland for an extra week and a half and mind you this is when i was i think it was like 20 22 at the time and i just absolutely fell like head over heels this is like 2013 ish or so So as soon as we get back, I packed my shit up, literally sold everything, went out to uh, Lake Elsinore, bought a 1989 Dodge Ram van that uh, (laughs) I shit you not had to super glue the gas tank flange was like fucked up on it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I just come up, came up here and then, um, yeah, I just grinded. I've, you know, I've had a lot of kitchen gigs and then uh, kind of on the sidelines there, I opened up this really weird kind of kind of sketchy venue called Replicant with a couple of friends of mine by the Aladdin Theater. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I know right where that is. Yeah. yeah. So that printer spot, we were doing little DIY shows out of there uh, for a while. <laughs> what was it called? The Replicant? Yeah, it was called Replicant. Replicant? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That that's, was... some, that's a pretty good location, dude. I know. Wow. And <laughs> we had uh, there's a picture somewhere online of uh, we just printed out, you know, standard printer paper size, the individual letters and hung them in the window because it was... We nothing was legal about how we were doing, <laughs> but but yeah, it was like a, just a small little, and it was mostly like focused on electronic music stuff, not necessarily um, 
not necessarily the most danceable electronic, but I like to call it like the hipster electronic stuff where mm -hmm. it's, you know, okay. stuff I like I, at least, you know, but, uh, yeah. And then fast forward a little bit. Yeah. The, the PSLZY project, I think that anywhere the record that you had heard is probably going to be the last thing I, I do under that name, just cause it's weird to say, Hey, the project of PSLZY, how do I say that? You know, hence, uh, the Arpenter project where, okay. uh, it's kind of a, a little bit of a rebranding, you know? Is it? Okay. Yeah. And so is Arpender, Arpender is your 2021 release. Mm -hmm. Okay. And is, are, is there any other musicians or is that just you as well? Probably about once a year I'll, I'll play like a set with some of the, some of the material off anywhere and some new stuff I'm working on. But the goal of Arpender is definitely to have it more compatible where I can bring in and out musicians and sort of, oh, cool. You know, have a collection of friends at least that uh, that I'd be able to call upon, and and I think I've kind of structured the material in that way too. Trying to play songs off of uh, off of anywhere is is difficult, and admittedly, it it ends up becoming some bastardization of karaoke because I just can't play <laughs> ten things at once, you know. Sure. So I mean, I I do a pretty good job of like selecting certain elements to to kind of play along with, like you know, yeah. a pre recorded elements but uh i just fucking miss playing with musicians so much like and being in more of a collaborative band setting so yeah yeah there's something yeah there's there, there's something to the benefit of both of those mm -hmm. as well so arpender um you know it's really interesting that song has such a unique build to it it's like it's almost like layers in photoshop that are kind of like like eventually kind of mm -hmm. building up and we were like I, I was with Rich and we were getting lunch when we were listening to it. And I remember being all like, oh, this is like different because like starts off with the guitar mm -hmm. and then it kind of like builds up a little bit. So I really um, I really dug that. It's really cool. Yeah. And uh, the the ebb and flow of writing the song with every little layer sort of coming in builds up this majestic kind of big you know, thing, which is very cool. I mean, you definitely know how to write a song for sure. Oh, I appreciate that. Man. Um, Thank you. Would you be okay if we played that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Go for it. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely dig, um, just the process of layering too, but that song in particular, I like the, uh, the big fake out feel of having that sort of, you know, kind of traditional singer songwriter folk thing come in in the beginning and then, you know, drop a, a double time, you know, pretty quick paced drum part with the weird 808s going on too. It's kind of a nod yeah, the to like mixture, some hip hop stuff. The mixture know? of electric and uh, and acoustical instruments. Mm -hmm. I mean, acoustic meaning meaning electric guitar, but mm -hmm. actual <laughs> playing playing a, a not a non virtual instrument. I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's very very cool.
Wow, that is very cool. I totally, I see that you have that uh, Spotify clips uh, yeah. as well, too. <laughs> yeah. I did one of those for Stars in Your Eyes, and it turned out turned out pretty good. No, it's a great song, man. So, Arpenter, what, what's the what's the saga with that? Are you going to make a record with that, or maybe get some more musicians on, or... Um, I think I think I'm gonna press forward. I'm working on a five track right now that I'm just gonna more or less play shows with this summer, and I think that'll more be more so be just me. Possibly, um, uh, there's a drummer in town that I'm really excited to work with. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but Jonathan is his first one. He's a friend of a friend, and um, he kind of expressed interest on hopping on some stuff. So. Hopefully, I think the the stage layout might be pretty cool if it's just me and a drummer, you know, for a lot of lot of possibility there, right? Yeah. Plus, the scheduling issues to arise with only two people are far more infrequent. You know? Oh, dude. dude, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah. There. yeah. Tell me about uh, so Henry's child now. Where where are you all located? It's a great question. So I live in Portland. Our singer lives in Eugene. Our drummer lives in Harrisburg, and our guitar player lives in Lebanon. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we all have a studio in Salem. Sweet. So we meet in Salem for cheap rent. Yeah, we used to actually be able to record at that studio, but we couldn't anymore after some uh, marijuana folks moved in next door and had an in I mean an epic epic hydroponic setup <laughs> that of all things affected the electricity. Oh so no. So you could hear it in the lines of the instruments when you would like start Holy recording shit. and stuff. So so, but, but the blessing is everything has gone, I mean, it's almost mobile. Like I remember yeah. doing podcasts on like a MacBook pro or something. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy how, how different it is. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a, we're all over the state and, um, we essentially were a band from the nineties, got popular post grunge kind mm-hmm. of thing. I and mean, we probably got a good 20 years on you mm-hmm. as far as age wise goes. Toured did the whole thing in the nineties doing a make good for another band we decided to get back together in 2014 sick we did and we ended up selling out the wow hall with all of these kids like literally mouthing songs that hadn't been recorded in like 20 years so that means they must have got it from an uncle or they must have found it at a goodwill or things that we would do when we were kids like oh like this the cover of this record's cool i'm gonna buy it you know kind of a thing hell yeah so that happened and then we're like Okay, as long as people keep showing up, we will keep making music. So here we are. I mean, just, you know. And then I gave you the other record, too, the Seven Second Circle Yeah, oh, fantastic as well. Which is the same musicians with a different singer. Okay, gotcha. So we had had Seven Second Circle going when Henry's Child took over this other show and, and sort of had the reunion. So now the two sort of play simultaneously fairly well together and again not to tell too many tales outside of school but both singers have other projects besides being in their respective roles okay so it's not like anybody's cheating on anybody (laughs) this is poly poly portland i know that's so funny you mentioned that i was talking to the bassist i'm working with some jam with a couple people he's like wow do you have time and i was like blah 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 and i'm like i know yeah being in multiple bands is like weird polyamorous relationships that you're trying to like <laughs> explain it's all above board you know <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> yeah so uh are you guys currently working on any new material or anything or uh so it's funny you should ask we actually uh, we are we are um and it's not funny you should ask because yeah, that's a totally legit question <laughs> uh so we had um after we got together we put out one 
other uh, a brand new record of brand new material. Okay. And it was called I Have Become. And we're working on the second half of this called One of the Numb because that was a line from a song from our 1997 record, Clearly Confused. Sweet. I've become one of the numb. And so we decided, we didn't go out to decide to do a double record, but when we did I Have Become, our lifelong goal was to have it on vinyl. Sweet. There was like, we would just, I would sit there as a kid and open up ELO and look and there's this giant spaceship and you're like, oh my gosh. Yep. Or, and then when I joined Henry's Child, I walked in like Pieces of Eight was like on, like the physical record was on the wall as a poster. I'm like, yep. oh, this is so cool. There's nothing like the tangible media. You oh know my what goodness. I mean? Like, Completely. And, and also too with, with vinyl um, and with cassette as well, you know, forcing your audience to hear something linearly and like not being able to just click through or... You know, uh, sometimes Spotify will do us dirty too. I feel as our artists, where it'll put the you know the most played song up first on when somebody's checking things out, and I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have put music on Spotify. You know, that have had had some listeners and been like, I fucking hate that first song that pops up. I wish it was like <laughs> you know, like but but having a record, you know, that's that's everything, you know. It, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, with the Spotify thing, one thing that I've noticed is I feel like. When you play by their rules and you do like the short with it, that definitely puts it up at the top. Because mm -hmm. "Stars in Your Eyes" was the, was a song from that record, from the "I've Become" record, which I physically have for you. Oh, sweet! If awesome. You, if you have vinyl. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, and and it was what we actually had a video for, and so I had a little bit of a snippet, and I and I tried to kind of like find because. I, what are they like 15 seconds? Or yeah. Something? You're talking it's, about trying to find a loop point. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. super. <laughs> and I wanted to do one that had all of the band. Mm -hmm. and so, uh, you know, and there's this beautiful drone shots of like the lead singer on this mountaintop and the Sick. drones like going around it and stuff like that. But the rest of the band is like in the parking lot playing <laughs> or something. So, so we had, had to find it and, and, but it was cool. And I swear it's got something to do uh, with the weighted algorithm for yeah. either I don't even, and I don't even remember if I paid any extra for it or I don't think you have to. I, I think you just upload it with uh do you are are you using DistroKid or something similar to uh for for one of the records I'm using DistroKid, another one I'm using CD Baby for. Oh okay. Yep, mm -hmm. yep, yep. Yeah, same yeah. same difference. I do remember there was some company that was like charging $3 or something to put it into a different file format. And they're like, oh, it'll upload faster or something. I don't know. Gosh, everybody needs to get their cut on the upload, right? Oh, my goodness, dude. It's yeah. like a cash grab. So when did you all shoot that that video? When did we shoot it? I, was, yeah, I believe it was pre-COVID. Um, so probably 2000. Well, the record came out in 2017. So we probably did the video in 2018 um, would be a, would be a good guess. But yeah, so the new record, back to your original question, the new record is going to be called One of the Numb. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully it's going to be a, a full-length record. I didn't really realize how limited we were when it came to the amount of time and space that we could have. With the Seven Second Circle record, you'll notice that it actually went to it, – it's – we had the high quality problem of having more material than w would fit on a CD. <laughs> That's a great problem to have. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is for sure. And so we thought to ourselves, 
who, you know, CDs are so passe. Nobody would ever want a CD. And so we decided to release it just digitally. Mm-hmm. And this is 2015. So like not bleeding edge, but maybe cutting edge. You know, mm-hmm. I remember like having to apply for Spotify and it was like a thing and all this stuff. And then it comes, then it, and, and I think that we were gauging it by something like Facebook likes or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that was our metric, right? That sure. We were so, sort of looking at it and saying like, oh, this is going to be popular or whatever. And we had sort of aligned ourselves in seven second circle with the prog rock movement because mm-hmm. Porcupine Tree had just released the incident. It was like this big, like, like huge. I mean, we went and saw them at the Roseland and it was like sold out and we're like a prog show is sold out. Oh my God. And so we were lining ourselves up with that. And we immediately started getting all these requests for records. I'm like, I don't have in a cool, like I'm trying to be the cool dad. Like I'm like, we don't have them. We're not (laughs) blah, blah, blah. So this company in, um, called just for kicks music in Germany wrote and said, well, why don't you send me, you know, a hundred discs? I'm like, bro, I don't have any discs. Like, I don't like, I don't, I'm sorry. Google translate is not working Mm -hmm. and sending this. And they say, well, just tell me what it would cost for me to get a hundred discs. So I gave them a prize and they cut me a check. Oh, and whoa. I get a thousand discs printed, <laughs> sent them a awesome. hundred. And then they said, well, well, I'll tell you what, it's probably going to be expensive. So let me send you the, the postage as well over PayPal. Is that okay if I do that? And I'm like, okay, cool. This is a good, you yep. know, good deal. So I'm, believe it or not, we're still on that replication of those discs. Oh, killer. So yeah, yeah it ended up being, ended up being a really cool thing. And so we're very, you know, I think we'll probably always do physical media mm-hmm. with, with the, I've become record. We did, we did cassettes as well. Yep. And that was kind of a trip to find somebody that did it. And here they, you know, I remember walking in and having all those replication machines mm-hmm. with people physically, you know, doing yep. it. The telexes or, you know, the yeah. Sony's have their ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually funny. If you don't mind, I'm going to totally have a shameless plug here, Please but, do. um, me and, Longtime collaborator slash business partner run a small tape label in town called uh, Black Market Charity Tapes. Um, oh, cool! Here in Portland. Yeah, nice. yeah, we do. It's pretty much an excuse for us to put out the stuff we like, and it's not. A, I don't think we're ever going to see a dime from it, but I love being able to have that physical media at a show. You know, it's a you know, yeah. oh, it's everything. You know, if somebody can tangibly walk away with, you know. And I think larger artists are picking up on that, you know, like uh, especially with regards to cassette, because cost of doing a run of cassettes versus cost of doing a, you know, a thousand vinyl. I mean, oh, my gosh, I, I haven't had the privilege yet to put anything on vinyl. But, yeah, the, the cost is crazy. Right. Or or it's pretty steep. It was pretty steep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wait, wait till you open it up, dude. I mean, it, we, we went full on gatefold and like, yeah, yeah. it was it was pretty, pretty bananas. So, okay, so you have a, is it just a replication house or is it a label or do you like sort of? It's it's the most bare bones version of like, basically our deal is, hey, we really like your stuff. Can we put out, you know, maybe like a, uh, we're actually dropping a new one tomorrow um, for Autopilot is for Lovers, which is a fantastic artist in town if you haven't heard. But uh, for their tape, we just, we're doing, I think, I think we're doing a run of a hundred. They keep 50, we keep 50 and that's the deal. That's pretty much, we have like a one paragraph thing that people sign, you know? And, uh, yeah, they can, they, they go on their merry way and we keep the 50 and we're, we're not allowed to press any more than, than that initial run, you know? So it, it kind of works out awesome because you can usually demand about 
about seven to ten dollars at a show for a cassette and it's like kind of sometimes a nice little boost for for a touring band to just have one additional thing sitting on oh, the table yeah. you know 100 percent. but um so you replicate you do 100 cassettes mm-hmm. you keep 50 you give them 50 at mm-hmm. no cost to the artist they just None. they just get it and that's 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 sort of their cut how they get paid yep so then do you go to their shows and sell the sell the the um tapes or is it like do you have a physical like location no we don't have any real physical location um we try i mean we're usually at the shows already because most of the people that we're pressing stuff for are our homies you know <laughs> sure. um but uh yeah, we have a we have a website you can visit blackmarketcharitytapes.com. We have some of the stuff that we've put out up there. But yeah, me and my my friend Matt Black Bryson and uh goes by so he's also a phenomenal artist. He has a couple of projects in the works called uh Fast Pastiche. He just put out his third record, fourth record. Third, fourth, I can't remember, but um yeah, fantastic electronic project. And uh, he also is a phenomenal rapper, uh, goes by Grape Juice Scott. He's working on, we're actually working on an album right now. I'm helping him mix it, helping him just kind of put it all together. But uh, sorry, I'm just. I'm no, that's awesome. I, yeah. lo- I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> hey, this is, again, yeah. this is how we, and, and I will, I mean, if you watch any of these li- weird little ones that I've done in between the, the real podcasts where I just give updates, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm all about us being together, dude. We are yeah. stronger together than we are apart. Amen. And, you know, all this made-up fabrication of artists not liking each other or people having political differences and stuff, what? Guess what, everybody? It's bullshit. Yeah, We all sure. want the same thing, you guys. We're all in this together, <laughs> man. So that's awesome. Well, so you had also mentioned earlier, too, that you had another project that's in the works right now called TV People. Why don't you tell us a little bit about TV People? Oh, TV People's really exciting. Um, I, you know, as soon as the weather started getting shitty, um, I started really focusing on drums. I have a little basement set up. Went and got a cheap drum kit and everything. And I just, uh, it always seems like the drummers are in demand and I just want to play as many shows as possible, you know, for the foreseeable future. Oh, good good future. drummers are really yeah. in demand. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been grinding on that. But uh, in along that journey of, of playing drums, I met... Uh, but my buddy Chase, uh, Chase Yonker, and uh, we started collaborating on kind of like some Melvin's-y kind of sounding heavy stuff, you know? Cool. And uh, and then we found a real drummer, um, so I moved over to guitar, which is my primary thing. Um, but yeah, TV People is really fun. It's uh, very much so along the lines of I feel like we would totally fit on a bill with Henry's child, to be honest with you. Like I would love to open up for you guys sometime if there was ever a a opportunity to do so, you know, real linear songwriting where it takes you from one place to another and real heavy kind of, kind of distortion vibes. You know, we don't currently have a singer, but uh, the goal is to, to write eight songs. We're on song number five right now, write eight songs, lay them down, find a vocalist, and then, you know, do a little bit of the rearranging. But yeah, super, super fond of how that whole project's turning out. Well, how, how about yourself? Like, are you working on any solo stuff or? No. no. I'm, I, I'm a dad with a full-time job. And so I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm blessed to be in, in both bands yeah, right fair, now, fair. but thanks for asking. Uh, so what TV people, I mean, is there any sort of, you got five out of the eight songs. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Guys rehearse every week. Is that kind of yeah. like a constant schedule and stuff? Totally. Nice. And I'm I'm the primary songwriter on that one, so a lot of it is kind of me doing, um, 
you know, a little bit of work ahead of time and just sort of presenting the band with uh, rough demos and whatnot and just kind of what I'm hearing in my head. But yeah, it's it just feels good to be in like a straight ahead, you know, rock project, you know. As much as I love my samplers and synths and nerding out on a bunch of stuff, there's nothing like just plugging into an orange CR120 amp, you know. <laughs> and uh, That's a yeah. good segue, but I'm not going to take it now. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> you guys will have to wait till the end. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so if you guys were... Um, gonna go out and try to get some shows now here mm-hmm. in portland where would you go apply Ooh, um like, who would you talk to you know honestly like there's been some pretty exciting venue stuff lately uh we're actually pretty close to that lollipop shop one that opened up mm-hmm. where dig used to be block, block up that way yep. yeah mm-hmm. i uh i really like some of the bills that they've been putting out there's also um do you know where the old twilight cafe was certainly do yeah there's a new one called mano occulta or Ma- mana occulta but um Something like over there. It, and to be honest, I, I've always had better success finding shows by just, um, you know, especially with the whole Instagram thing and seeing who's out there playing currently. And, uh, you know, if you have demo material and you're like, hey, you know, I'd really love to open up for you guys. I've always had pretty good luck just being able to to kind of direct message other bands as opposed to venues, you know. But, uh yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of that would be my kind of angle right now is just trying to get a show at something like that, you know. Yeah, it's really it's really overwhelming to and there's so much social media and there's so much to to keep up on that uh, it's almost kind of like where you know, and I I've said this many times on this podcast, focus is the new currency. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we we've gone from you know downloading a single to downloading parts of a song in a ringtone form to now TikTok, whatever the hell TikTok is, mm-hmm. you know, to little, basically just little 30 second snippets. And so, well, that leads me to, cause you said the Instagram thing and I'm like, where do I find like band? Like it used to be, uh, what was it book your own fucking life.com? What, what was a good one? Craigslist for a while. Oh, for sure. And it's funny. Cause like, you're right. Like every time I turn around, there's a new, you know, venue opening up. I'll go to like Blackwater or High Watermark, Black- and, and again, not places typically that Henry's Child would 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 play, but would be open. I went to High Watermark on a Thursday night. The three bands I never heard of, two of them had death metal font so hard. I even <laughs> took a picture and sent it to my drummer who loves death metal, and even he's like, "I don't think that's even a language." Yeah, like, <laughs> for sure. Is it, is it Klingon in some death metal font? And it was $20 at the door and it was packed on a Thursday night with no, I mean, it's just amazing what occurs. I also live two blocks away from the Wonder Ballroom. Oh, okay. And so I will turn down Russell to go home. That's the secret way I get a parking spot when I come home at five o'clock and there'll be a line already around, you know, MLK on, on a Tuesday and I'll go home and I'll look it up on my phone. I'm like, who's playing this, you know, Fred Fufufinik from Finland or something yeah. like I'd never heard of. Totally. And, you know, and it's just amazing. So mm-hmm. that's my endless question is how do we get the word out? I mean, I still have a website that I yeah. use for both Henry's Child and Seven Second Circle have websites. They're not interactive. They're little flat things I run in S3. They're just, you know, super easy pennies every month mm-hmm. kind of a thing. I update with, you know, links to all the other places that go out. And every time I ask bands for their website, they give me their Facebook page or some, 
you know, or their Wix page or something like that. Is there something that I'm missing? Like what, like what, or, or does everybody just do it differently? Honestly, I mean, I, I feel like the Instagram approach is where it's at. One, because almost all venues are represented on there. So oh, that's I, a good point. Yeah. So yeah. what I'll, what I'll do is I have kind of a separate account just for, for doing this sort of uh, tactic where I'll basically only have that feed subscribed to venues in town. Right. So when, as I'm scrolling, I can see names of artists that I don't recognize. And what's really cool from a communal element, and I even think somebody outside of, uh, you know, trying to book shows or play shows or whatever, um, I think it's a really good tactic to find local music. Uh, just because, again, you've got the flyer right there on that little, you know, yeah. square. And, uh, you know, the artists are usually tagged right there. And I guess that's what I'm listening to today. And then you find some really fucking tight shit you know, for an opener band or, you know, second, second opener or whatever. And it's like, oh man, this is, I would have never found this had I not been looking at this flyer on this thing, you know? So. Well, one thing that you, that you inherently get that, that I just like to remind our listeners about is, you know, you spend your whole life writing your first record mm-hmm. and, and from the time you're 13, there'll be riffs or something going in your head or shower thoughts, or you're laying there in bed and something happens, you know? And if you can ne- ne- nail it out of, out of the park on your sophomore record, I mean, think yeah. about those Led Zeppelin two purple oh, from Stone Temple Pilots. Sure. I mean, these are like epic stuff. So I'm with you, man. When you find somebody new like that, that like is a band you've never heard of, you go to their thing and it's dynamite. I mean, that's cool. Like that's, and that's yeah. really just how it, how it is. I mean, it used to be without Instagram, we would just network by physically going out to the clubs. Mm-hmm. Well, we were also 22 then and could recover much faster. Yeah. But, oh my uh, gosh. Right. So instant. So I didn't even think about that. So Instagram. So and you can embed links in there, right? Too. Like you, you can embed external links. Yeah. So the and correct. I've, you got to forgive me because I'm not super on top of it, but I believe there's a thing called Link in Bio where you basically just drop a link to an exterior page, and it'll have all of your stuff. So link to Spotify, link to your YouTube channel if you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's just like a a you know coagulated single link button on your on your bio section of Instagram. Oh, got it. Yeah, I use both Linktree. Uh, Linktree, that's the one. Mostly, yeah. for, the, mostly for the newsletter. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we're done, I'll show you our uh, EPK. Mm-hmm. I, wrote, I wrote an EPK for, for both bands that I'm fairly proud of. But uh, yeah, that's, that's really cool, man. I love that idea, um, Instagram, and uh, getting shows from that, too. Yeah. That's very cool. So, yeah, well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up here with the story of how we met. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I very rarely get to say this, but Presley was a was a Craigslist hookup. And this is me, for those of you listening, uh, <laughs> high-fiving. <laughs> Woo! Yep. So I had uh, put up uh, some of uh, Rich Clinton's uh, gear up on Craigslist, and... Uh, uh, somebody wrote me over Craigslist and was like, oh man, I want to, you know, check out this amp and it looks really cool. And I have the matching like cabinet for it. You know, we kind of went back and forth. He comes over and he didn't bring a speaker cable. Yeah. And I thought Strike to myself, one. I thought to myself, what kind of chump, <laughs> even at my office for me, what kind of chump is selling this and doesn't have a speaker cable? I was like, <laughs> I was embarrassed when he asked me, I'm like ripping things out. I now, now mind you, I have another amp down here too. And I was thinking, Oh, I could just take the, you know, and I couldn't pull it out. So I felt super bad. Yeah. And then he goes, why well, don't I have an instrument cable? 
<laughs> and I thought, okay, well now, now I don't, don't, don't feel so bad. Yep. Yep. So we find both of these and it's just, just totally in my office is just massively in disarray. And we find both of these things. And he starts playing, and I'm like, damn, this kid can play. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because a lot of times, you guys, when I sell stuff for Rich, it's like Guitar Center up in here. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll spend 40 minutes playing Smoke on the Water. Smoke on the Water, <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. And then they go, well, I don't really like the ambiance or the tone. And I'm like, bro, you're, this is where clients come <laughs> yeah. for me, man. And you're, tone is in the fingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, so I met uh, Presley, and, and when he was he was, was walking out, I uh, gave him listen closely because uh, Richard played uh, that particular orange amp on that record. And I think it's very cool of us to find musicians and friends uh, that we can meet. And he started texting me. He's like, dude, it's dynamite. You know, and yeah. I gave him seven second circle divide. He really liked that too. So good. And you know, you're a brother, man. I mean, yeah. that's amazing, dude. Well, it's also just rare when somebody hands you a piece of music that you actually like, Oh fuck, this is awesome. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, I have a, I have a couple more questions on Henry's child, if that's all oh, right. Oh yeah, no, go yeah. for it. Um, my biggest thing is like in writing the, um, one of the numb, like, cause you guys are currently still in the writing process with it. Mm-hmm. Um, how is it? Working with, you know, I, you, you guys had mentioned that you'd been together, like, you know, you got 20 years on me and stuff with, with the age difference. And, you know, how is it, uh, what are the interesting ways in which you feel like you guys have individually developed as musicians or, or maybe like, uh, things that you've noticed that, uh, different approaches that you guys are writing right now, like, uh, or, uh, do you notice anything in particular about how, how you guys write music differently these days or? Since the longevity of the time oh, yes. you guys have been together? Oh, yeah, yeah. For, for, for sure. Uh, so there's really three questions you ask. The first one, like, time is just a valuable thing for anybody who tries to master anything. So, mm-hmm. you know, what was it? Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours or something like that. We had that on the first go around. So I think that we're, we all have done things individually that have kept that musicianship up. So nobody ever quit. So mm-hmm. me and Rich, the guitar player, we've never stopped since 1994. So 1995, actually. Um, so we have we've always been in some sort of everything from a punk project to Henry's Child to Seven Second Circle. So the first the first answer is we've all kept things sort of up individually. And has the process changed? It absolutely has. And a lot of that is the tyranny of time and distance. And so what one of the rare pleasures I have is I have uh, just microphones in the room that I've adjusted over months, just tweaking here and there, and a little scarlet that sits inside of the control room. And I just hit the play button, and I record everything. And one of my rare pleasures is Monday morning in IT, which arguably is the worst time because all the shit's happened over the weekend and people's passwords have expired. My beautiful thing is I sit down and I listen to the last, the day before his rehearsal. And from there, you pulled some gems out. And so you do, if, you, if you do the heavy lifting yourself and you go, of the three and a half hours of just recorded material, which half of it is banter or talking about food or lunch or girlfriends or whatever's happening, there'll be about like three or four little gems and those little seeds get planted and then they get passed around. And then if you, and, and we heard a quote a long time ago if you can remember a riff, it's worth keeping. And I'm totally 
butchering it because my brain is not not picking up the actual thing. But but that's the idea, yeah. is is that that seed gets kind of planted and then it turns into something else. So if we have played something after two or three rehearsals, because we only get together one day a week and it's typically only for about four to five hours, um, then it probably is going to morph into a song, you know. And uh, from there, we will um, make sure that the notes fit together, and then we'll 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 cut just the music, and then we sort of give that to Andy, and he'll go off and kind of write his own stuff, and then comes back usually the next or two rehearsals later or something like that, with if fairly like like kind of what the melody is going to be. There's been a huge emphasis ever since I joined these guys on melody and the way it sort of fits over it. So we've always treated vocals as its own instrument, as it probably should should be. Yeah, on both of those, on both of the records that you gave me, the Seven Second Circle one and the Henry's Child one, I thought it was interesting because you guys on both of those records capture, I kind of always talk about the linearity of a song, like especially in prog music, mm -hmm. where it's just if you can nail these transitions where the listener doesn't even notice you've taken them to, like I was listening to headlights on our way over here and I was kind of like, Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to, you know, at the end it's the, the, you know, the, the name of the podcast and everything. And I just, it's amazing. Cause like, I love listening to prog records and, and looking at my phone. I was like, Oh fuck, we're still on the same song. Like when, <laughs> because you, you have yeah. these little nuggets where it's, it's like, Oh, I love where we're at right now. How did we get there? You know? And I think, uh, yeah, that's a really, really strong, strong suit of your, you know, the, the collection of musicians that are in both of those projects. It's Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's really good. So thanks. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming in, Presley. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a blast, man. It's great to meet new friends, and it's even better when they get you on a musical level. And as you can tell from my conversation with Presley, we just really understand each other. His record's really good. Go to Spotify, download it. The links are in the description. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, TV people as well. And so if uh, there's an opportunity to perform together, you bet we're going to take that for sure. Uh, speaking of performances, the best way to find out about performances is to sign up to our newsletter list. If you go to the Henry's Child website, that's henryschild.com, leave your first name and email address, you will be sent a different version of human being. And more importantly, you'll continue to get updates for its shows, new releases, and all the cool stuff coming down the pike for both Henry's Child and Seven Second Circle. So thanks again for tuning in, my friends, and we'll talk soon. It came out my mouth.